Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. You know, we've been um, on this word of the year. We've been talking about, you know, just a great emphasis on, you know, the resurrection, resurrected eyes, being able to see. Um, and so I've really just been really on that too. You know, Teresa spoke last time she taught on um, John 20. And when Mary came after Jesus had uh, been crucified and died and put in the tomb, how Mary had gone to the tomb, her devotion, you know, her devotion, got her up early before the sun rose. I mean, think about that. I mean, you know, devotion is just, it. devotion struggles with disconnection. So it's sort of like I'm you know, just this devotion that she and Jesus had. And then Jesus died and she hadn't seen his resurrection yet. And you could tell that devotion was just driving to reinstate that connection. And so when Teresa was talking in John 20 about Mary going to the tomb. And then, of course, you know, the stone was rolled away and they figured out that he had resurrected. It says, you know, at one part, um, she went and told the brothers, of course, and then they came and they checked it out and it said they went back to their homes. Did you find that interesting? Oh, yeah, he... And it said that they believed he had been resurrected. But Mary stayed. Still looking, still looking, still looking, still looking. And, you know, I think Jesus is kind of funny, don't you? Whom are you looking for? You know, so those questions that help us reveal our longing, our desire, or our passion. And so, you know, who are you looking for? I'm looking for where they took my Jesus. And he said, and she was, you know, in the middle of her sentence, he said, Mary. And she recognized that was him, which is kind of funny because, you know, last week at the party, I was trying to get Aaron's attention. Or last week at church, I was going, Aaron, 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 nothing. Just keep on. And so Cheryl was with me. And so Cheryl said, Aaron. <laughs> and I said to her, I said, I think he knows your voice. You know, but isn't that sweet? Lovers know each other's voice. And so he said, Mary, and she immediately knew it was him. And so then, of course, her devotion, it said she went and clung to him. Which, you know, generally it was like they would run and they would fall down like in adoration or worship and they would grab a hold of either their legs, their ankles, or their feet. You know, just in that homage, whew, you know, just to cling, to cling to them. And so that's what it said she was doing. It said that when, when she heard him say her name, you know, that devotion ran and she was clinging to him. And so 
It's kind of interesting because I know God's so honest because Tessa read the footnote on that. I think it's John 20, 17 um, in pre-prayer one day when we were praying several weeks back. And it was talking about, which Teresa mentioned, you know, we, they were in a transition. So if you'll stay with me today, I'm going to talk about their transition and how we should live already transitioned. So that's kind of my end game. And so they were in transition because they were used to interacting with the physical Jesus. Right? And obviously... He, he was saying, I'm transitioning. So I'm, I'm transitioning from moving around to moving in. And that was kind of hard for them to understand, as you can imagine. And so whenever they're used to him moving around and they're following him around, He's trying to help them begin to move into the new experience, if we could say it that way. And so he said, don't cling to me in this way, because it says, I have not yet ascended to the Father, but now you can call him your God and your Father like I do and tell the brothers that I'm ascending. So see, that can be confusing if you don't think in terms like God thinks in terms. He thinks in all realms, past, present, and future. It's like being saved. I was saved. There was a moment I made a decision. I was saved. I'm being saved every day. And I will be saved. I'll have a finality of it that I'm living in. Right? It's this full continuum that he offers on all levels. So when he's saying... I haven't ascended to the Father. He had already ascended and was glorified because he was walking through walls. Remember, we talked about all this. He's already and Mary didn't even recognize him. So he had you had to know he was had already ascended and been glorified, but he was kind of saying, I started this thing at the cross, and I'm gonna finish it at my resurrection in your experience. So he's kind of in the transition with them. I, I'm here, I've moved from the cross, I've resurrected and I've risen and I'm displaying myself to you. And then I will be ascended, fully ascended, if you want to say that. And then once I finish that, what am I going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to go to the Father and I'm going to say, give me the thing that you promised For people. If I would take care of this, you said I could come to you and get the promise and it would be poured out, which was the Holy Spirit. And that's what it says. It says that Jesus was a Savior and the Holy Spirit, he said, I'll give you another Savior. If he physically goes away, then he is going to provide something that you're never absent of him. He's not, he said, I will not leave you alone. Yeah. Remember, I will not leave you alone. I won't leave you for orphans. I mean, he said it a million ways. And so what he ended up doing was it says, I will send you another Savior. So we have got to elevate the Holy Spirit Savior 
just like we elevate and honor Jesus the Savior. I will give you another Savior. So Jesus the Savior was for um, remission of sins. I'm going to take care of that. The guilt of sin, the remission of sin, I'm going to take care of it. Okay, you don't have to worry about that anymore. The Holy Spirit as the Savior comes and in, in, empowers you to a new divine ability to live and takes you out of the power of what that sin was producing in your life. Does that make sense? So you can see where he's transitioning them out of an old way where they kind of, you know, really they kind of sort of depended on Jesus to do everything. I mean, they were, they were in awe about it and they were enamored by it and all that kind of stuff. But he's like, I really have, you know, this is not really my intention for y'all to follow me around and then applaud me or anything. You know what I mean? It, it's my intention that I show you how and then I, re, I remove every obstacle and I provide every empowerment and then I set you in the place to do what I do. You know, and it's a, it's a pretty simple model, right? But I really um, believe what he's saying in this season is we've got to make the transition, like they had to make the transition. We have to make the transition that we see him rightly. That we aren't clinging to just the Jesus of the cross, we're clinging to the ascended Christ. That's the transition that we have to make. That's what he wants us to cling to. And so that's what our devotion in our era should be clinging to. We should be running in our devotion and we should be clinging and adhering to the resurrected, glorified Jesus. It's what we should be clinging to. And so this, this is kind of a fun, interesting thing um, in this process. And you can tell where that kind of zings you a little bit. You know, sometimes we like to stay in religion and we like to stay small still by thinking that Jesus is the one who died. Well, yeah, but why did he die? That's the que question you have to ask. Jesus died for me, and so I still live pitifully. No. Why did he die? What's the end game? I mean, and I'm not being disrespectful. I mean, Jesus would say the same thing. It was unto something. I did this because of what? What was I trying to do? That's what we really have to change our mind about. Thank you that you died for me. Thank you that you died for me. Thank you that you forgive my sins. Thank you that we wash, you wash me. If we stay in just that one component, we live in a place that that's all we're looking for. And so we're living in a place where we're just inviting him just to forgive me here, wash me here, where we're not clinging to the glorified Christ that he's wanting to live through us. 
And so he died for a reason. Do you think that he didn't have the whole game plan figured out before he engaged in the plan? He was fully aware that I will do this and I will go here and I will live a sinless life and I will go to the cross and put every sin that will ever be committed, every sickness, every disease, you can put it right here. And I will carry it to the grave in my purity and my holiness. I will carry it to the grave and I will pay for it. And I will forgive you and remove that from you. Then I will elevate you. Now's a good time for that picture, Sidwell. I will elevate you as you rise with me. My love and what I've done for you should elevate you. And so you can see sometimes we tend to kind of live in this one area that he's done instead of living in the whole reason that he died. I died, and it was my joy to go to the cross because he knew he was going to produce sons and daughters for the Father. So it was like, I'm all about it. That, that is a goal that's worth it to me. And so he went and he, he paid for that and he got resurrected. And then he got a glorified body because he's, he's perfection, right? Jesus said, I accept that. You're sinless. I accept that. I'm going to raise you back up with me. And because you're with me and you've done what you've done, the Father is saying, now you've positioned people, humanity, you've positioned them for me to really engage with them and do what I really want to do. And that's going to take the Holy Spirit, the other Savior that you need. You're with the other Savior right now. The other Savior right now is keeping you. And he's inviting you to really upgrade your perspective that he did that because he was resurrected. And it says he asked the Father for the thing the Father promised, the Holy Spirit. And so the empowerment. And so he said, Papa, will you now give them the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? And, of course, he did. And so the Holy Spirit has already been poured out. You determine how much of the Holy Spirit you interact with, mainly, number one, by your faith, by your belief. You know, we had this funny thing happen um, Thursday night uh, at men's group. It was really fun. You know, we adore our men, and we, man, we just want to invest everything we can in them because we can just see, you know, what their intention is. Uh, and so we're, we're doing this thing on Thursday nights and whenever we had played a worship set and then we kind of had stopped to talk about how, how did we do in that worship moment? Were, were you able to connect? Were you able to receive something right there? You know, what, what was the experience like? What happened for you? And almost every, everyone was able to say, I struggled in that connection 
because I was carrying a core belief. And so that's what I'm talking about, your belief. During that worship set that we were playing, it was a worship set and the improv going on basically was that you're a drink, you're a drink, you're a drink, you're a drink for the king. And so, you know, I'm standing back there and I'm thinking, you know, I don't know that I was feeling like I was a drink. You know what I mean? I don't know that I was feeling like, you know, I'm the best flavored thing you've ever had. Orange Gatorade. No, yeah. But I don't think in that moment necessarily I was conscientious thinking that. But when the prophetic Holy Spirit voice began to say, here's what I'm doing, here's what I'm saying, as soon as, I mean, it's so simple, a little tiny thing, I just said, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm I'm your drink, and I bring myself to you. Come and drink, come and drink, and I did. Whoosh, pew. I mean, it was like faster than lightning. Fast was this spiritual intimacy connection was so easy. You know, but if I were to sit there and just say, I'm a drink, I'm a drink, I'm a drink for the king. I'm a drink, I'm a drink, I'm a drink for the king. But going on within me is not my belief that I'm a drink for a king. Then I am not making that connection. I mean, we had a lot of those, you know. Some people, their value was real low. Some people thought that, you know, they they were the best person that they could trust. You know, we just all have those. And it kind of might even be a little bit maybe like they were talking about with the, uh, was it the leukemia uh, dream that they were talking about the other day? Was it leukemia? Oh, was it tuberculosis? Thank you. Uh, the tuberculosis where there there's these things that infect or disease, or belief, and then it it really is after how he wants to come, who he wants to be. And so those are those, and there's real easy shifts. I mean, you can see that by just what I'm saying, right? So it's really important that we have to address those if we're going to be in this right season of uh, clinging to the ascended, resurrected Christ in his glorified state and who the Holy Spirit wants to be in us because of that. And so to me personally, if if I had to describe uh, maybe something he was doing in this season, I would say that's one. You know, um, if you read John 14 and John 20, and you kind of read those little parallel chapters, it's great because in 14, he's, Jesus is really trying to say three or four times, I'm trying to explain this transition. And so then in 20, the transition is really happening. Jesus, the human Jesus is going away and the glorified Jesus is coming in and so is the the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And that's the difference I'm talking about, about Jesus around you versus Jesus coming into you. And I'm just saying, in this season, if you'll just simply change, turn your beliefs just a little bit and say, that's who you are. That's why you did it is for this moment. That's why you did the cross. And that's why you're resurrected is for this moment. And you begin to really just adjust your beliefs. You're going to really find yourself in the, in the right season, in the right placement with him. I wonder if we should read a scripture or anything. <laughs> Let's make it real. Let's see. We can always go higher with the Holy Spirit in our intimate union with him. If we keep changing our beliefs. If we have trouble, trouble with intimacy, there's, it's a belief. There's a belief. If we're, if, and we've got to address it. You know, what's fun for me is um, in the model, you know, whenever uh, Jesus was resurrected and then he had the experience with Mary and then he said, you know, go tell the boys. And then that's that time frame where he was really just showing up, showing himself to say, you know, I'm, I'm resurrected. You can, you can bank on it. You can, you can be 100% fully convinced that's a reality. Two, whenever, you know, he went, you know, and he, he talked to the guys uh, in the upper room, and he said, remember he said, receive the Holy Spirit, and he breathed on them. You know, it says that in some translations, it says that it's a command. Wow. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of Peter, you know, don't wash my feet. Well, if you don't, if I don't, you don't let me wash your feet, then you don't have any part of me. Okay, well, wash all of me, you know, it's like. But, but Jesus is saying, receive it and so it's like it's a command receive the Holy Ghost I mean I can see why he would be passionate about saying it that way when I know how much you need it I know what the attention is for your life to look like and live in receive it and the fun part of that is that if you will open the door and let him come in and, and to say, I received, I just received everything you have. Whew, you know, you can awaken me with your spirit breath. Awaken me. You can always come with, with your spirit breath. What's really fun about that is that, you know, 40 days later, of course, is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. And then they receive more of the Holy Spirit, right? And so that to me is really amazing because we can have we can always have an increasing measure of the Holy Spirit and so we need it and so I, I love that that 
you have to, um, even though we've received the Holy Spirit, maybe if you're, if you're born again and Jesus is your Lord and Savior and your sins have been removed and, you know, guilt has been removed and then the Holy Spirit's moved in, if that's happened, then we should be always continually receiving more. I mean, I get that, don't you? I'm, I'm like on my bed all the time, like, I'm just going to lay here, show, you know, and listen, and I'm looking, I'm reading, I'm, you know, I'm just, just want to see. And he's always there to reveal himself. He wants you to have more. And so what's so incredible about that is that whenever, you know, we receive Christ, then it says we become one. And that's what I'm talking about. Instead of him just moving around in a physical person, he moves in because we're one. So, I mean, that's it. how do you feel about that as a belief? Is that your core belief? Currently, right now, is that your core belief? That you redeemed me, you rescued me, you came for me, you dealt with all of that. You moved in, and I am one with your Holy Spirit. I am one with the Father, and I am one with the Son. It's kind of that reality of that Scripture says, I'm in the Father, and the Father's in me, and we're one. You know, you kind of say, I don't know what. It's just like you can't really dissect it because they, they're all one is the point. And he's saying, I brought you into that. And so what is your core belief like right now? Right now is your core belief that I'm one with the Holy Spirit. I have an intimate union with the Holy Spirit that God's Spirit has awakened my spirit and taken up occupancy. And I'm connect, I have a connection. I have a spiritual connection right now. I can know his thoughts. I can know his voice. I can know his impressions. I can feel his heart. I can have fun little moments with him. We were back there playing around. You know, I can know him. Yes. Because we're one. That's got to be a core belief. Why did Jesus die? Thank you that you died. I'm not being disrespectful. But I'm saying he died for a reason. And we're going to have to camp more around the reason of what it was providing instead of just looking at that reason. I hope you, that sounds well. Does that translate good? Okay, good. <laughs> you know, um, in between when... Mary was clinging to Jesus at the tomb to when he was trying to reveal himself for those 40 days. Why, and this again is a transition, why was he spending so much time revealing himself? I love it says he sat down and he talked to them about all of the things of the kingdom. Wouldn't you have loved to have been in that conversation? Man, I would have loved to have been at the table. He began to talk to them about all of the things of the kingdom. 
which I'm saying is the true intention of the kingdom, not just the kingdom as they knew it, which is the same for us. And so what he was dealing with was he was dealing with a lot of fear and a lot of unbelief and a lot of not understanding. And so he had to help them with the fear, you know, like, you know, and the unbelief, like Thomas. But here, come touch here. You know, come see. Because i I got to help you deal with your fear. If I don't help you deal with your fear, or if I don't help you deal with, deal with your unbelief, you won't be able to um, hold or receive what I'm pouring out. That's no different than us. If he's helping us in this season, where we have fears and where we have unbeliefs, because if he doesn't help us with, with that, he can't pour out the more of the Holy Spirit and have a container that could house it. I'm having a funny breath there. I'll tell you later. So, you know, you can expect that in this season. You can be expecting, you're going to show me where I'm afraid, maybe where I'm presenting something. You know, sometimes um, fear is, let me say this, to experience what he's wanting us to experience and the way he's wanting us to experience him. We have to have, uh, in my opinion, we have to have, again, and I'm sorry to talk about this every time, but it's important, repentance, and we have to have faith. Repentance is every, where, every place that your mind is off, you're going to have to agree in order to experience with me. It's kind of like, you know, I was talking to Bailey earlier and, you know, we had the baby shower like we mentioned yesterday. And they were over at our, our house kind of early on when they had found out that they were going to have a baby. And it was funny. I mean, it was just a funny view for us because, you know, her and Ro were going back and forth about what the baby's name would be. She'd be this. I don't know her like this. Were you guys to pick last time? I mean, you know, it was a lot of, it was, it was really, you know, all of that was going on. And then, you know, Teresa and Lenny just said, well, have you stopped to inquire of the maker of that little life to see what the name should be. And so you can see, you know, they're not, their wills are not in agreement right there. And so it's hard to get to a solution. And so I, I'm really, so really, really good. She's like, yes, yes, I'll do it. And so she had said that Tess had prayed for her the day before uh, on about something with a prophetic word. And then that night she did, she inquired, she said, you know, God, what should this baby's name be? And when she went to bed, she saw her and Tessa talking, uh, having a little dialogue and um, about the, the prayer, you know, that was released over her and the prophetic, um, it was a prophetic voice that was stirring. And so they were having a conversation in the dream about that. And then basically Bailey asked, and he said his name is Arlo. So how easy... 
is it once we agree? Things are revealed when you agree. We do a lot of this. I mean, we do it with God. We do it with each other. And we do it with God. Yeah, and we do it with our community. When you're when we're not agreed, we cannot really get to what He's wanting to show us. And so, you know, when Bailey and I were talking about that, and she kind of sent me, you know, His name. He knows what He's doing. Do you think she can attach her faith to that? Arlo, I mean, every time we say his little name-o, aren't we like going to be like feeling the presence go, whoo, you know, God, it's God's life doing something right here. It's like, whoo, I mean, it's going to be really fun just saying his name. And, you know, her and um, Roosevelt did really good. They adjusted. They came together in an agreement to get under what do you want to show what do you already know? Yeah. You know, and then he told him. And so now, what's his name? If you ask Bailey, or if you ask Roosevelt, or you ask Little Roly, except Little Roly might want him to be Roly Jr. But if you ask the mom or the dad, that's what his name's going to be. And when they looked it up, it meant like Strong Hill. You know. And so when I was listening, I heard God say about little Arlo that he's going to be one R low. He's going to be one who knows how to get low before the Lord. And in that place, I are low kind of, when he gets low before the Lord, he's going to be one of those who, who walk in a way because he knows how to get under God and submit to him. And so I just speak that over what you're doing right now in that womb, and I bless Arlo, and I declare over him this day that he is one who loves to get low before the Lord, and out of that place, he has so much dynamics, he has so much vision, he has so much clarity, he has so much impact, and so I bless a little man who knows how to get low before the Lord, so I thank you for him in Jesus' name. So we have to, you can see, if we just change just a few of our beliefs according to, I'm already the resurrected one, I already have the victory. Any place that we have fear, we have lost faith. Right? Whenever my belief is strong, am I in fear? I mean, I don't even care what the circumstances look like. They might be ridiculous against me. But when I am in faith, I'm just looking for where he is. And so any place we have fear, in whatever area, we've lost faith. And what happens, it says in the Word that um, spiritual outpouring is quickened whenever there's faith. 
So if I'm in a place of fear or whatever, and I can turn and I can look and I can begin to put him in his highest place, you're the one that elevated me. You're the one that moved in. You're the one that has a desire. You're the one who's a resurrected one. You're the one that's over this situation right here. You're the one that will show up. As I start to do that, then it quickens the heavenly spiritual thing that it actually becomes the reality. And so there's just, you know, hopefully this is piecing together on your side of things. But, you know, because I've been looking at this, and so sometimes it's hard when you get up and you're trying to communicate the whole thing, you know, if you're giving it enough pieces that we're putting it together. But we really want to require of ourselves to have faith in him this season. You know, in uh, Hebrews 4.2, this is just a principle. We have heard the good news of deliverance just like the Israelites did, but they did not join their faith with the word. They didn't join with Joshua and Caleb. Instead, what they heard did not affect them deeply. So if you wonder why you have a disconnect, if you wonder why you live in fear, if you wonder why you're not seeing the things of God that he says that you're designed to see, you're going to have to deal with your fear. You're going to have to deal with your unbelief. They heard, but it didn't affect them deeply, for they doubted. For those of us who believe, faith activates the promise. And we experience this tangibility. We experience the realm of this confident rest. You know, and so, uh, hopefully I'm, we're going to just kind of keep shaping that, but I can tell when I'm not in rest. Sometimes it might take me a little minute and, you know, I have a couple of bumps. Oh. I must be having some fear or insecurity. I'm calling insecurity fear too, by the way. You know, I know for me personally, if I'm carrying any low-grade insecurity, then I personally, my MO, is then I can try to um, maybe control or overmanage you know, be over-involved, and then I've got to get back to rest. And so i got to back up, and I've got to say, well, you know, just like even leading people or leading a business or whatever, let's just, let's just do a hypothetical, just like let's say today. Okay, here's today. You know, we're having church, right? You know, Teresa really trusts me and Lenny, and, you know, she trusts us when she's trying to have a break or, you know, rest, she trusts us to be able to continue on and not miss a step, right? And so if I wake up and I have had some things and I haven't dealt with, and that's to say I had a lot of insecurity, 
And I, what I would tend to do was when I would come into this day, I'd try to manage everything. Okay, this and that. Okay, you do that for that long. Okay, is everything in order? Everybody good back? Everybody, I would try to overmanage. And so when I get back to rest, then I would have to, I would have to just get down low and just kind of deal with, I feel like I'm not enough here, or I feel like I don't know what I'm doing, or I feel like, you know, you're not going to show up today, and I might get judged because, you know, it wasn't as good as Teresa. You know what I mean? I mean, really, that's how, I mean, that's how the enemy will work on our souls. And so I have to find my place of confidence. And so I have to just get down there and low say, you know, I'm not enough, but you love me. And I know that you're going to come into the room today. You know, and then I get back into where I'm looking at the resurrected one. The glorified king is going to come in and do what he's going to do. And so then I start pushing into that probably. You're the glorified one. You can come in. You can go through every barrier. And then you see what happens. Then it shifts. And I start to shift over into agreement with him and then I'll start to make more room and I'm starting to say come on through come on through who cares if this takes so long or who cares if you know what I mean who cares come on through and so I've just shifted where he he's the one the glorified one and the Holy Spirit are the one that come on through Let's see. I'm going to try to wrap this thing up because I'm sure everybody's hungry. Nobody cares, do they? We don't care. We're so hungry for him. Okay, I'm just going to, like I do, I love to rock and fire at you. You ready? All right, here we go. Loving me empowers you to obey my commands. Man, when we get it, when we get that his love elevates us, then it's so easy to follow and obey somebody that you love. Real easy. It's, it's because you're, it's really your love is the thing that you're trying to protect and it's higher or greater or more important than getting your way. So love really will elevate you. And so if you're trying to uh, obey above your love, you might want to rework that and move toward your belief about how he loves you. That would benefit you more than trying to be obedient. I mean, I would just really practice how he loves you and let him come, just like he did today. I know you, you are the resurrected one, and you resurrected me, and I know we're one. I mean, those are just so good things to practice. I know we're one. I know that I can't get away from your presence 
I know that you said you will never leave me, that you will be with me always, so you're here right now. It's that kind of dialogue, it's that kind of belief that really moves us out of old places and into letting his love come in. And then when love is there, it's sort of like love makes us fully operational. You know, and then we're just walking in it. Don't you like that? Here's Jesus. Now, here's how important we really want to attach to this. Loving me empowers you to obey my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend just like me, and he will never leave you. I will never leave you. You always have my promise and my commitment that I'm right here. We're in this together. The world cannot receive him because they can't see him or know him. But you know him intimately because he remains with you and will live inside you. That's what he's talking from that transitional place. But now he lives in you. And you will, you will never be without him. That's a really important belief. I am one with him. I will never be without him, and he will never leave me. I can always count on him. I can always depend on him. I can always see what he's doing in a moment. The greatest goal to accomplish in this life is to be reunited to the Father. That's what Jesus' goal was. I want to reveal the Father, and I want to be united to the Father. In John 20, 19, Jesus says, I will leave this world, and they will see me no longer, but you will see me because I will live again, and you will come alive. Okay, that's our now, correct? He's in the transition, he's speaking back here, but he's saying right now to us, you'll come alive. When I come alive, I'm bringing you with me because we're united. That's another really good belief. You will come alive. When that day comes, you will know that I am living in the Father and that you are one with me. For I will be living in you. You know, and we could say this, but we really need a lot of work here. We don't really spend a lot of time looking into exploring this, uh, making this our belief system, and interacting with him from that place of belief. That you're right here. I, I would, I'd just love to practice that. Like I just sit on my bed. That's my holy place in my bed. I'm not laying down horizontal. It's a 90 degree, so I'm not just sleeping. And so I will, you know, be just really believe I'm practicing that. And as I practice that, my engagement with him begins to develop something in me that I begin to carry as I get up and I walk away, then I begin to carry that. <clears throat> Those who truly love me are those who obey. Whoever passionately loves me will be passionately loved by my Father, and I will love them. And in return, I think I'm going to make this my new life scripture. 
this 21. Those who truly love me obey me. Whoever passionately loves me will be passionately loved by my Father, and I will passionately love him. There's a lot of passion in the room. In there. He don't know how to dial it down. He does not know how to dial his love down. And I'm so glad. I will passionately love him in return, and I will reveal myself to him. When, when you look that up, it says that Jesus and the Holy Spirit say, I will personally come to you. How about that? Yeah. Like that, one of my new life scriptures right there. And so it's not this thing that seems arbitrary or it's not this thing, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's like, oh, you, you know, you're just right here. I will personally come. I, I love that. Mm. So our greatest goal is to com- in, to accomplish in this life is to be re- re- is to be reunited to the Father. Our greatest response in our life's mission is to make Him known, and our union with the Holy Spirit, who has moved into us, is our direction and our inspiration on how we live. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, in this um, chapter, when you, I think it's interesting when you get down, I think it was verse 29 here. Let me see. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Lord, why is it that you will only reveal your identity to us disciples and not everybody? We're in transition. He's revealing it to us fully. Jesus replied, loving me empowers you to obey my word and my Father will love you so deeply that we will come to you and make our dwelling place. Do you believe God has come to you through Jesus and with the Holy Spirit and you're his dwelling place? That's why Aaron can sing, you can lay your head on me. He becomes, uh, he dwells with you. It's very, very intimate. But those who don't love me will not obey my words. The Father did not send me to speak my own revelation, but the words of my Father. I'm telling you this while I am still with you. If the Father sends the Spirit of holiness, did he? The one like me who sets you free, it's a continuous work that he's always active. That should be your belief. The Holy Spirit is always active in me because the Holy Spirit's present and he never leaves me. So he's always working to set me free. He will teach me all the things I need to know and he will inspire me to remember everything he said. I will give you peace. Nothing will harm you. Don't yield to fear or be troubled. Be courageous. We fight fear with our belief of who he says that makes us courageous remember what i told you i'm going away but i promise i will come back to you come again see we think black and white i'm going to come back to you we kind of tend to think i'm going to come back to you like at the second coming Remember, he's talking to the disciples right here. No, I'm coming back. I'm going to come back to you. I'm going to reveal myself after I've been resurrected. 
And I'm going to come back to you when I move into you. I'm going to come back. And then, when at the second coming, then I'm also going to come back and get you. And so, we, we had to kind of keep thinking in those accurate terms instead of, oh, that's just something way out there. No. I'm coming back right now and I'm moving in because I don't want to be without you. I don't want to be apart from you. I don't want to be away from you. I want to be with you. If you truly love me, you will be glad for me since I'm returning to the Father. When all these things happen, you will still trust and cling to me. Cling to me. Cling to me. That's what I'm talking about today. Clinging to the glorified son. Clinging to the resurrected one. Clinging to that. There's a lot of really good beliefs here. If you need to work on your beliefs and kind of, you know, keep moving with him in the way that he wants you to fully believe, there's a really lot of good beliefs here. When all these things happen, and they have, right? He was resurrected. The Spirit was poured out on Pentecost, and you received him, and he moved in. It's happened. You will still trust, and you will cling to him. That's what I'm talking about. I will not leave you alone. I give you the Holy Spirit. He will keep you and cause increased intimacy with, with the Father through your obedience. You will have courage when you cling to me. May the world discover how much we love the Father and the Son through the help of the Holy Spirit. I love him so much, don't you? Isn't it amazing what his, his desire is? And so, you know, as we continue um, to journey into this word of the year, He's really making himself known that I am the resurrected, glorified one, and I'm with you. What does that life look like? So we just say, we believe what you're saying today. I believe you, Jesus, that you're the Christ, the son of the living God. That you died on a cross that you went to hell and you defeated death, hell, and the grave, and you rose again. And in your glorified state, your resurrected, holy, pure state, you poured out your Holy Spirit and you moved in. So I thank you that you've moved into us. I thank you that that's true intimacy, is that you moved in, not just around us, but within us. And so I pray over your people today in this season that we would, we would move closer to those truths that bring us into intimacy. And so, Jesus, I just say today that I cling, I cling to the glorified Jesus who lives in me to show me the way to live, to show me how to love, to show me how to think, to show me how to receive and be one with you. And so I pray that over your people today, and I bless what you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen.
thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.